You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. Screw League Pass. <laughs> Tried to give you guys a rewatch. Didn't work. Not only is it Walker Mail and Doug Branson joining you for this episode, it's David Walker not necessarily rewatching anything with us, but we're just going to talk about whatever the hell we can think of at this point because we had to call an audible. David, are you ready to do so? How are you doing today? Absolutely, man. I'm doing awesome. I've recovered from the disappointment of League Pass, ready to chop it up with you guys. Well, well, it is a <laughs> it is a classic rewatch in the sense that if anyone has been with us for a That's while, <laughs> they know that our live streams are notoriously terrible. So it was classic uh, rewatching us trying to put on a live show. <laughs> I mean, it didn't look good from the get go as soon as I was trying to bring up League Pass on my own phone, and then it quickly became my product went from my problem to then Doug's problem. And when Doug has the problem as the person showcasing the game out to everybody that is trying to rewatch it with us, that's when all of us have now, a problem. Can, when Doug can you guys imagine, I want to paint a picture for you. Okay. The NBA uh, has just canceled their season and they're all the, the executives of the NBA, the, the big wigs have all gathered in the room and they're like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We don't have any games. How are we going to give content to the people to keep them engaged with our product? And one person in the corner of the room pipes up and says, well, we have, we do have NBA league pass. And then everybody, you can just see everybody at that point go, oh my God, we have to depend on <laughs> NBA league pass because it has been notoriously Nobody. horrible. Yeah, that's one of the surprising things coming out of this, I think. Like you're seeing all these improvements or just like things you don't normally think about that are getting attention and league pass, for the love of God, people have been screaming at it every start of the season <laughs> to fix it. This would be the perfect time to go in there and tighten some screws up or whatever you do to fix league pass. And apparently they're just uh they're just good with giving it out for free, which is again is nice if you can make it work. I'm still watching this Pacers Hornets game, by the way. It never stopped record. It's never stopped going on my phone right now. And this one, the Hornets are really starting to make a charge. It's 85, uh, 76 after a PJ free throw, just to keep you guys updated. But this is a, a team that started to play pretty well against good competition at the end of the season, right? This is a team that as the, as the, uh, the order to end the NBA season, to suspend it at least at the time and maybe end it for good. The order came down from the commish that, hey, NBA no longer here, and the Hornets were still playing against a Miami Heat team, one who was very good this year, and the Hornets had come back. Maybe the most impressive game that the Hornets had played all season long, they would eventually win that game 109-98, to and that would be the end of it. It's not just the Miami game that they played at the end of it. looked really good. They had played against the Houston Rockets, where they win 108-99. to One might call it a drubbing. If you were Doug Branson, you would call it a drubbing. They actually played competitively against the Denver Nuggets. They played competitively against the San Antonio Spurs, the Milwaukee Bucks, more impressively so. Toronto, they beat 99 to 96. Bottom line is they were playing some of the best teams in the NBA. And then boom, the season comes to an end. Now you can look at this two ways. Maybe you wanted to build upon something extremely strong, like the way that they were playing at the end. Or maybe you're a little happy that the season came to an end, at least for the Hornets perspective and saying, wait, we're winning too many games. It's clear that they don't have a true star on this team. The only way they're going to do that is if they get a high enough NBA draft pick, stop them from winning these games because the next few contests that they had, it was going to be against Cleveland, Orlando, and New York. 
Okay. So those are going to be teams that the way that the Hornets were playing, they might rack up three more victories. Like to me, it's funny because it seems like this actually will help them when it comes to draft lottery odds that we'll discuss later on. But it, it was a team that was playing very well. And uh, it depends on the way you look at it, how you felt about the season coming to an end so abruptly. Yeah, I think so. I think if you're James Borrego, he's kind of on record as saying he's disappointed by the fact he's a little bit uh, anti Steve Kerr in that way. He's disappointed by the fact that they will not have the rest of this regular season to develop players. And that makes sense, right? Because they hired James Borrego uh, partly because he was someone that they viewed as a player development coach. And in order to develop players, I mean, you've got to have that time on the floor and real game action. And this is the Hornets missed 17 games, or if, if, the, if the regular season does indeed end, they will miss 17 games. I mean, that's not an insignificant amount of regular season games not to participate in. Not, and, and, and a lot of these players, David, a lot of these players that are on the roster now are going to be on the roster next season and, and figure into the future plans of this organization. So you want to see them get as many games and as much experience. Their bodies are still aging. They just didn't get to play the games. Yeah, especially guys you project to be starters after this year, guys like P.J. Washington, uh, Miles Bridges, Devontae Graham. You know, figuring that whole Devontae, um, Terry Rozier dynamic was something they were starting to come into towards the end of the season. So you would, would have liked to have seen that kind of extend all the way out. Maybe they get a better feel for how things could be over the next year or two. Uh, but we mentioned in the uh, Pacers rewatch that no one will ever see the just the kind of the question marks mm-hmm. surrounding Malik Monk. Like, where did he even land? Where, where where did we leave that off? It was just up in the air. There was no date. There was no return. There was no anything. Like, we don't know what's going to happen there. It's the biggest mystery around the team, right? We have literally no No news. one has said anything. No one knows. Has he been on social media? I haven't really been keeping track of it. Have we seen him and his I dog? Like, I mean, I don't know. It's, it is a big mystery. So there's that mystery. But I want to go back to the point you made, David, which is I feel like And Walker, maybe you back me up on this, maybe you don't. I feel like we were starting to figure some things out with this Charlotte Hornets team. We were starting to figure out whether or not Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier could coexist as a backcourt moving into the next season. We were starting to figure out what the deal was with Miles Bridges and P.J. Washington. And maybe some of those questions are going to have to be figured out in this next offseason and, and into the preseason instead of being solidified. And that actually hurts the Hornets, right? Because if you could solidify some of those answers before you go to the draft, before you enter free agency, that's going to obviously affect what you do. And if they don't have solid answers to those questions by now, uh, that, that, could, uh, that could hurt their ability to strategize moving forward. Yeah, I I think that they were starting to certainly figure out the roles within this team. I don't know what kind of effect that would have on the future, just because I think we kind of hypothesize this isn't a team that is going to rely on a Rogier Graham backcourt in the future. I mean, it doesn't seem like they're going to have both of those guys starting playing significant minutes if they want to take that next step, which is get to the playoffs, get to a point where they're contending with the postseason. And or, you know, of course, win a playoff series at some point, that should be a goal because they haven't done that in forever. And so I don't know if that's going to be the backcourt. We'll say this just real quickly, Doug. You look at the last eight games, uh, Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham kind of took turns leading the team in scoring, which isn't anything crazy new. But it really was Devontae Graham at the beginning part of the season. And then we know about that huge slump that he hit really in the meat of the season. Then you look at the last eight games. It's Rogier, Rogier, Graham, Rogier, Graham, Rogier, Rogier, Graham. 
Graham had started to finally come on a little bit more after that big slump. It was the backcourt that was leading the offense. Um, like we had seen it quite a bit, but man, it, it more so as far as the leading scores, the last eight games of the season. You asked me if I looked at the last eight games. I have not. I tried, but NBA League Pass would not let me. Uh, they would not allow me to look at those games. Uh, let me just say this. We, we talked a lot about questions uh, that needed to be answered, that were starting to be answered. Here's a question that I have all the time. Uh, what am I going to eat for dinner and how can I have it delivered to me immediately? Uh, from an early morning breakfast burrito, 12 pack of beers while you watch the game. Sometimes you just need what you need delivered fast. And that's where Postmates comes in. If you're like me, you probably start thinking about what to eat for dinner while you're eating lunch. I love food. That's why I love using Postmates. They deliver food from every restaurant that I can think of right to my door. But Postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushi. No, newsflash, they actually make my life easier with grocery delivery and whatever I can think of delivery as well. Convenience stores, clothing stores, you name it, and Postmates can get it to you. So no more trips to the store, no more late night fast food runs. You don't even have to worry about where to get lunch. Forget about dinner. How about lunch? Just download Postmates on iOS or Android, find your favorites, and get anything you want delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use code LOCKEDONNBA. That's code LOCKEDONNBA for $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. More League Pass bashing next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. Have you fallen out of love with uh, Lonnie Walker yet, or are you still in love with him? I think there's still a chance. Yeah, I think I there's know, still a too. chance. Yeah. I think he's uh, playing pretty well right now. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. All of us donning the Hornets head candy, really the mm. NBA head candy, as I'm wearing my Hornets cap. Uh, David is, I believe, in the business of making caps these days. And I believe you put the no cap. NBA All-Star Chicago logo on the front of your hat, if I'm not mistaken. Right, David? That is correct. I am still making so many hats. I've branched out into T-shirts now. I, I can't wait to show you guys what the Are you building a merch me. empire over there? What are you doing? <laughs> I mean, we'll see, Doug. Uh, this new reality, once we come out of this, we'll see. Are you a, uh, are are you a entrepreneur? this is the time right to build your business this is the best of times certainly to do so and doug is all he's also donning his new head candy as he tweeted out yesterday wearing it right in front of us right now a los hornets cap doug what made you interested in getting that particular oh i just really like the the design of it um i like this is probably my favorite hornets logo which is the it's almost diamond shaped, but it's the Hornets front facing logo. It's not the main logo, but it's uh, it's kind of a shield shape. Uh, so mm-hmm. I really like that logo. So if I see anything and also, you know, I didn't know this when I bought the cap, but I'll tell you what I do like in a cap. Well, I'll tell you that the, the, my favorite thing in a uh, in a new hat is something in the underbill. This does not have anything in the underbill. It's just a very you know plain underbill. But the second thing that I like in a hat is the bill to have almost like a couch feel. Like it feels like you're like you're if you went over to your grandmother's house and she had kind of that 
I don't even know what the texture is, but it's just like that old couch feel. I just, I don't know why I like that, mm. but I like an old the, couch feel. The in the port feel is that what you're talking about? If you're talking about grandma's couch, it's like a scratchy, you know, like a little, just, it, it was comfy, but it was like a little scratchy. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you can see it in the texture, but it's, it's just like an old grandmother couch. Wow. Uh, so get on that, David, when you make yeah, your hats. I was going to say, sure that new line. look, it's a big ask, supply and demand, man. I mean, I'm sure you have a bunch of people knocking <laughs> on your door for that particular <laughs> couch cap <laughs> for that particular feel. Uh, last dance documentary, David, I know that you were probably as interested in this documentary getting released as much as anybody out there. All of us were craving it. We were craving sports and what better to have us uh, be able to experience the Michael Jordan documentary in a time when we can't even leave uh, the house. We can't even go outside. It's been a lot of really good episodes. The first two I thought were fantastic in setting it up. And I thought that was appropriate, right? Like it, I thought it was appropriate to set up Michael Jordan, just how much he means, right? Like there's, you got to think about it, man. If you're 30 years old and you know, you, you barely, if at all, remember watching Michael Jordan live, like you probably just got a, a couple of years watching Michael Jordan live at the age of 30. So I thought it was appropriate to set it up. We got the Dennis Rodman episode in episode three. We got the Phil Jackson episode in episode four. David, I'll go to you first. What are some of the uh, best moments that you've had from the last dance do- or that you've seen from the last dance documentary? It can be just the most recent episodes or just overall from what you've seen. Yeah. I mean, I think right off the bat, the biggest thing was you mentioned some of those early Jordan highlights, especially like so many of the folks, even if they did see MJ play, remember him so much from the the second three-peat, right? And it's that first three-peat, the run-up to that, but especially some of like his first and second year highlights that I think really blew people away that had not seen any of those. The athleticism, the quickness, the fluidity with which he moved and just the gap between him, him and the rest of the league, you know, the athleticism that he had and the, uh, the, the, the skills that he had as well. Like the explosion was there. There's so many, so much in those highlights that don't look old. You know what I mean? I mean, they're old highlights, but they don't look like old basketball plays. And I think for a lot of people who never saw MJ or again, just saw him that last three-peat were kind of blown away by some of the moves he was making and some of the things he was able to do on the court. I mean, I had seen most of all the stuff, but they were able to dig up um, even some older highlights and some things that, you know, delved a little more into some of the stuff we've already known that I think has really been interesting. I mean, the, the most enjoyable things for me, and especially I think we got to it when they talked in the fourth episode about the bad boys and Isaiah uh, has just been his reactions, you know, his real MJ coming out when he sees, you know, Isaiah's explanation of the walk-off, for example, <laughs> and just right. basically, you know, calls it out beforehand, watches the interview. And then like, I told you, so I told you that's what he was going to say. And poor Isaiah just can't, can't, can't shut up about it. He, he, he won't let it go. His explanation was not good. And so that's been the most enjoyable thing to see, you know, MJ, I, I think his interviews in this thing have been fantastic. Like, I think a lot of people were concerned that you would get the corporate NJ or you would get that vision that Nike and Gatorade and everyone else has put out, but he's been, you know, about as real as you can get. Maybe it's the, maybe it's the Hennessy, maybe it's the cigars, maybe it's the comfort of his (laughs) Miami, Florida mansion, but whatever it is, he's really bringing it for these. And I think moving forward, we're going to see more of that footage that NBA had right of that last season a lot of the behind the scenes stuff a lot of the plane stuff the practice stuff that's some stuff i want to see because it's legendary 
And uh, I think that's what I'm looking forward to the most. Well, I think Jordan has a keen understanding that the corporate image of Michael Jordan keeps him out of trouble day to day and uh, allows him to make a lot of money. But I think he understands. He's very media savvy, and we're going to find that out, I think, where that developed. You know, him turning his image into Air Jordan and becoming this you know, cultural icon. And I think that's coming up. Right. Yeah, I think that's coming up, Doug. You were asking about the previews for for this week, and I think we'll get some of that this week and uh, delve more into the Air Jordan and the, the corporate side of that stuff. Right, but I think he has a keen understanding that interesting sells these kind of things, right? I mean, being interesting, saying interesting things, and saying controversial things. And I also think that he can't help himself sometimes with his competitiveness and his pettiness. And we saw that when he, when he accepted his Hall of Fame. Uh, uh, you know, induction that, that he just sometimes he cannot help himself. He has to say the thing that's been floating around in his brain forever. Um, but I want to go back to what you pointed out, David, the the things that we don't remember about Michael. And, and really, I think so much of it is physical. Um, I yeah. think I'm very familiar with the post uh, Pistons Jordan. And this uh, one of the episodes really highlighted how he built his body up. He became so much stronger as a result of having to to bang with the Pistons for so long. But I, I just don't remember the levitating Jordan, the small, uh, in comparison, Jordan that that could do things that maybe stronger Mike lost a little bit. He, he gained a lot of uh, things, but he's, yeah, I think maybe he lost a little bit of that um, as he got into the 97-98 series. Um, and, he, and he also, he had to give up the ball. I mean, you know, that's the other thing, too. Yeah. We're, we're seeing, we got to see a Michael Jordan completely unleashed by Dougie Collins and that offense where he could do literally anything he wanted to, and that was fun to see. Yeah, the yeah, body, I, the body control, right? Sorry, just the body control. I mean, he, he had that the whole way through, but the stuff you're talking about, Doug, is literally in midair and moving and doing things just people can't do how long he stayed in the air that's the thing that's the thing i think probably that strength may take away a little bit is the ability to i mean he always was able to change in the air that's athleticism but i mean how long he was able to stay in the air and how quick he was uh that i mean i think that shocked me i've always talked about i think the most under discussed at facet of his game um, is the ability to shoot the ball on his way down. Oh, and yeah. nobody, it, that's, that's what's incredible. Yeah, he, he's able to stay in the air for so long. I mean, it's just damn near impossible to block his shot because he's in the air for so long. He moves it left, right, left, right, behind the back, and then all of a sudden he's almost about to hit the floor, and then he puts up such an accurate shot. It's so crazy accurate on his way down. That's what's crazy hard to do. And, Doug, you mentioned Doug Collins' offense. Here, Michael, here's the basketball. Everybody just stand around and watch Michael. This is how we're going to win games. Not a bad plan if you have the best player to ever play the game. But then here comes Phil Jackson to tweak that and say, no, we got to get other guys involved. We need to unleash the skill set of Scottie Pippen. We need to allow other guys to get involved in the game offensively. And there was a quote in there. And I, I think it, I don't know if it was from Phil Jackson. I don't know who said it, but the quote was, okay, Michael, we're going to have to have you give up the ball a little bit more. Um, we're going to win, but you might not win all of these scoring titles. And then they didn't address the fact that, oh, wait, yeah, he still won <laughs> he a still ton won. of scoring <laughs> titles after Phil Jackson took over the offense. Right. It's like, okay, yeah, it's predicated on getting everybody in a fluid motion, you know, having a bunch of people run around, right, just put a, a lot of pressure on the defense. And Michael might have to give up some of the scoring responsibility. Well, when Michael, when, uh, excuse me, Phil Jackson took over as the head coach for the Chicago Bulls, 
uh, you win that first championship. Yeah. He wins a scoring title in 91, wins a scoring title in 92, 93, 96, 97, 98, won scoring titles all those years when I thought that was funny. They didn't really address that after they said he's going to have to give the ball up a little bit more, but I thought that was hilarious. Uh, you know, I have a, yeah. criti- I have a criticism of the documentary and it's the same criticism that I have of Todd Burns over here. didn't know we had him on. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, I just want to kind of say this, that I think it's the same as Tiger King. Like it's extremely intriguing. It's extremely interesting. Um, but at the same time, I don't think it's a great documentary in that I don't think we're going to learn anything in the grand scheme of things that we didn't already know. And, and I don't think that there's going to be a larger lesson. I think back to Made in America, the OJ documentary that they did, uh, that ESPN did. And there was True. just, I just feel like that's, that's a true documentary. This, this feels like a sort of NFL filmsian kind of look in, and MJ's production company was part of it. And that's Ken Burns's criticism. And, and it doesn't take away from my enjoyment of it because I enjoy watching all of the old footage and I, I enjoy watching Michael Jordan be petty. Although I will say, and I'd love your opinion on this, David. Like, I feel like to this point, I would love to see more from 97 and 98. I feel like we've almost done too much looking back. And I'm really interested in The Last Dance, but I don't feel like we've gotten a lot of that because we've been interested in going down all these other rabbit holes. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Some of that footage, I mean, that's what prompted this whole thing that the NBA entertainment or whoever filmed, you know, had unprecedented access for that season. I think they're going to rely more on that moving forward. And from what I've heard, it does crank up into some of that stuff that we've never seen, Doug. And you do get in some of the, I think, uh, MJ addresses a lot of the stuff like the gambling and his dad's death. And I don't know how heavy they hit on the baseball stuff, but that's certainly in there. So does he I address, does he address Lance? Up. Does he address signing Lance Stevenson? That's what I want. <laughs> yeah. That, you know what? They delve deep into the Gordon Hayward uh, <laughs> offer sheet and it's a whole episode. It's unbelievable. Um, no, but I, I think they, I think they are setting this up. I don't think they're going to have like an episode for every player that was on that team. I don't think Will Purdue is going to get his own 45 minute episode. Where's uh, no, they uh, they better give me a Winnie episode. I want a Winnie episode, but you started seeing some of that early Scott Burrell ribbing in that, in these last couple of episodes on the plane. And um, I, I think they're going for ultimately once they get to the end, you know, there was a reason for all of this. This is how this culminated. Um, but we'll see. I mean, it, it's playing out that way. I think to compare to the OJ doc, I mean, that's kind of the, that's kind of where I was holding up to as well, Doug. And that one's just on, a, on another level, but we'll see how they uh, carry the whole thing out. I, I think they're going to delve a little bit more as we go on here, but I'm with you. I want to see some of that behind the scenes stuff. Man, it's hard to uncover a lot more new information yeah. on somebody as popular as Michael. You know, I mean, it's just Michael's giving us his point of view in a way that we haven't seen from him really before. And I think we are getting a lot of side stories that a lot of people didn't remember or know. I mean, I, the the Doug Collins offense transition, something we just talked about. You know, I don't it's not I don't know how many people really remembered that. Right. Like, I, I think maybe this is kind of doing more of reminding in the first four episodes and maybe uncovering a lot hearing, you know, hearing Roy Williams and Dean Smith and North Carolina's discovery of him was cool. I don't know how many people actually knew how that happened. You know, hearing his mom read Michael Jordan's letter back to her, I thought was cool. Like we've gotten a bunch of things that I don't think we've seen before, but they're little things. They're not big things because it's, it's Michael freaking Jordan. Like how in the world are we going to uncover a bunch of new stuff 
And hopefully, maybe we can get some of that. We still have more than half of the documentary to go. And I think yeah. a lot of this has been really setting up what's in store for later on in the documentary. We'll talk a little bit uh, more about the team that MJ owns and the Charlotte Hornets and their draft lottery odds, as we mentioned at the top of the show. How good is it if the season does end for the Charlotte Hornets? The eighth spot that they currently hold right now. We'll talk a little bit about the odds of them selecting first, second, and so on next on Locked on Hornets. This is Locked on Hornets. But give me some positives. As That would annoy me as a head coach. I'd be like, look, you, you can't lose to the Bulls by 20 and come away and go, well, you know, let's look for some silver linings. Silver lining, game over. Next game. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. There is no next game. Not right now, at least. It's true. Hopefully we can get one. Thanks for reminding us. Um, hopefully we can get some, at least in the postseason. but that would not affect the Charlotte Hornets. They would be on the outside looking in when it comes to the playoffs and they will be picking in the lottery. Now, right now they have the eighth worst record in the NBA right now. If everything were to go, um, as scheduled, if everybody got the, the max odds and they all selected where they're most likely to select the Hornets would select in that number eight spot, Doug, what are some of the odds that we can hope for? Because remember last year we, in the NBA lottery, uh, we got to see a little bit of a mix-up, right? It was a little bit different than what we had seen in previous lottery years. So let's start with what everybody wants to know. What, is, what are the chances that the Charlotte Hornets land the number one overall pick? Now, this isn't a, it, it is not a draft that has a consensus number one overall pick. There is not a LeBron James in this draft. There's not a Kyrie Irving. There is not a player that you go, yes, that is the player. Um, but it is still great to have the number one overall pick. That percentage lies at 6%. So they have a 6% chance. Uh, you look one, one uh, slot above them, Chicago has a 7.5% chance. It doesn't go over 10% until you get to the fifth slot, and that's Detroit. <laughs> that was Detroit in Jeez. the fifth slot. It's they were trying to win. They were trying. Okay. Uh, and you the, take so much pleasure in, in Detroit's I do. Uh, in Detroit's failure. I really do always. because they're, the they're, dar- they're, they're the darlings. <laughs> but yeah, even, no, darlings that's the thing. Every, every off season, someone says, "Oh, this is Detroit's year." Ooh, that Reggie it, Jackson contract was a steal. It is indeed not their year. Okay, so that's the odds: six <laughs> percent. Their odds of getting a top four overall pick is twenty six point three percent. So I mean, they have a one in four shot of landing in the top four. Uh, now, the eighth slot, that is 34.5%, followed by the ninth slot, 32.1%. So hmm. they're just as likely to end up eighth as they are ninth. So don't be surprised if they fall one slot to nine. It's it's just as likely. And then to go to 10, that's 6.8%. So they have roughly the same odds of landing the fourth or third pick as they do the 10th pick. You know, it, it's what makes this so tough sometimes to be a Hornets fan, because what happens here is that, yeah, you have a little bit of a better shot, given your record where it is, to get a higher selection because of the way that the NBA lottery process changed last year. But what happened is with Kimba Walker, you were one spot away from making the playoffs. You were the ninth team without Kimba Walker this season. They're two spots out. They were literally one spot in the standings worse without Kimba Walker, without Jeremy Lamb, uh, without Marvin Williams for a little bit of the season and instead playing Devontae Graham and PJ. Now, this is it. You can't get too mad at it because a lot of the success came from playing the young guys. I mean, hell, they're playing 
Jalen McDaniels. You know, they're they're playing the Martin twins, right? Like it's not like James Borrego was putting out all of these veterans to try to help them win at all costs possible. There was player development in the plans. And so it's not like you can get mad at the Hornets for doing so. And you're playing literal G League players. Joe Cheeley saw some time when some of those guys actually got called up from the swarm. And yet here they are two spots removed from the playoffs. And now we're talking about an over 60% chance that they either have the eighth overall selection and the ninth. Look, it's frustrating. It is frustrating understanding that you still need that star that I think most of us would agree. Just, they just don't have that on the roster at the moment. Well, they need, they need a star that can drag a bad team into the playoffs, which I mean, Kimba couldn't do. I mean, you know, I mean, that's just sort of bottom line. Kimba was not able to take a bad team. That's what superstars do. They can take, a, a you know less than average team and bring them into the playoffs in the, in the east yeah i mean but it's been so long since this franchise has even had an accumulation of talent that could drag the team into the playoffs we've been talking about anthony mason and glenn rice and how they basically ran those two guys into the ground was they were playing them 40 plus minutes a game they were that was an excellent stat yeah yeah i mean they were one two in the league in minutes played and that's what <laughs> got them 50 plus wins because the coaching staff knew it like we got to play these guys to death or we don't have a shot of getting a decent seed in the playoffs but the hornets have not even had those type of players that you would even where it was even worth it to run them into the ground yeah and it doesn't appear that there are too many of those type of players in this draft of course mm-hmm. when the hornets are back in the lottery again it doesn't look like this draft is going to live up to the past couple of years but it's funny walker because watching that mj doc you know in the first couple of episodes he's begging to go back in these games where he's injured and basically the playoffs are just within reach but kind of out of reach and the franchise wants to go one way he just wants to win 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 and a lot of the comments coming out of that were like well that's why the hornets will never win anything mj still doesn't get it i'm like this year he was trying to do everything he could to put a team out there that would not get exactly the same situation that they were last year with kimba walker and that's where they end up again and you're right it's just like crazy it's just when you don't want the development it happens but then you have the superstar and it, it still happens it's it's they, they need to catch a break they need to improve they've never had they've never improved upon where they were slotted to be in the lottery ever like that well, and, and that has to change at some point right yeah i mean it, it's unfortunate you know it's just it's unfortunate that they've had such bad lottery luck. I, there's just no other way to describe it. It's the bad I mean, picks, it, to be fair. Insane. Oh, oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. 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 Look, Rich Cho <laughs> did us no favors, right? Like, it, you could make the the even the Rich Cho apologist could say that there were some trades that he made that were pretty decent, but the draft picks were just awful, especially under Rich Cho. And so, yes, he is not without his criticism. He is not absolved by the luck or the uh, uh, lack of luck that the Hornets have had. But that's just what it is, right? Yeah. Like. Yep. Anthony Davis, you miss out on him and you get MKG. And we, we've gone through this before. It, it just is frustrating that it seemed like the Hornets did something right. Like you're winning more games than you thought because of the young talent on the floor, because McDaniels looks like an okay guy that you drafted in the fifties, because Cody Martin looks like a pretty good player that you drafted in the thirties. That were, that was a second round pick, you know, PJ and all the redrafts and the rookie team and people evaluating all the rookies this year. He's pretty much a consensus top seven rookie from what he did this year. I haven't seen anything worse as far as just rating him. If you were to put a, a hierarchy of those guys, it's they did everything right. And here they are two spots out, you know, with Kimball Walker not being on the roster, just finishing one spot worse than what they did. Last. And honestly, I can't decide whether or not 
starting the season again would actually result in more Hornets wins or less Hornets wins because part of me says, well, it's a young team and they're going to be less susceptible to taking this break just physically than, at least I would think, than, than the veterans are. Uh, so that would be advantage Hornets. It would be a lot like, you know, you see these young teams all the time, and the Hornets did it. I mean, they were 4-3 and three after they beat the Pacers. They were able to jump on some teams that were not necessarily ready for them, although a lot of that has to do with strategy just as much as it has to do with actual just physically being ready for the season. Uh, but then part of me says, well, these teams that they would be playing, we know the strength of schedule was going to be very difficult for the Hornets the rest of the way, and they were going to be playing a lot of teams that were gearing up for the playoffs. And boy, I mean, these teams are really going to have to gear up for the playoffs if they do resume regular season play. So I can't decide. And who the hell knows, though? Who the hell knows when they come back who's going to be in shape, who's going to be ready, whether they're going for the playoffs or not, right? And correct me if I'm wrong, but we have we really don't know the plan right i mean it's we're thinking if they went back everyone would go back right but i don't i don't know it's not set in stone i mean nothing is at this point who knows so uh so much is up in the air and i think another interesting thing is no ncaa tournament right i mean it feels like a lot of times that's where the hornets did a lot of their uh evaluating <laughs> through watching the ncaa tournament uh so it'll be yeah. interesting to see just you know just based on the college careers um maybe it would lessen the chance that someone screws up or maybe it would improve it who knows looking at the schedule remaining i think i talked about this at the beginning we talked about you doug you mentioned the young roster right the guys maybe not being ready to come right out of the gate it's cleveland new york Orlando, but Cleveland and New York would fit the young team uh, bill. Then you have two games against Atlanta. Then you have Washington going at the end of the season. I mean, that's five games within 17 that you look like the Hornets would win. If I had to vote, if you were to make me choose, do I want more regular season games for the Hornets perspective? Yes. I'm a basketball fan. Of course, I want to watch live basketball. Does it benefit the Hornets? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say the Hornets, they would continue to win. They play some bad teams and I don't want my odds to get any worse. They're not great already. I, I'm, I'm telling you right now from a Hornets perspective, I would say no more basketball. I'm good. Let's go to the postseason. Okay. Give me the postseason. See you guys. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. why I'm Michael Scott saying goodbye to the season. Yeah. The one magic number I've heard was 70. Like everybody gets to 70 games played. Uh, that has a lot to do with the TV contracts, but I think the Hornets are sitting at 65 right now. So you ask yourself, there are five more games of what's probably going to be not high, not great NBA basketball worth it. Is that really going to add to what the Hornets have done this season? Yeah, uh, yeah just not. just just really quick before we go, that's another argument that the Hornets are actually benefiting from this is that it's set honestly, it's with the young team, it's 17 games that you don't uh have the chance of a devastating injury to Devontae Graham right. or PJ Washington that could cost them a season. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm saying no. I'm being Michael Scott. I'm saying see you guys. I'm going home. No more <laughs> regular season flat. basketball. Thanks for joining us on a Friday edition and impromptu episode rather than a, a rewatch. It's Walker Mail and Doug Branson and David Walker joining us uh, to talk on the mic. David, thanks so much for spending the time with us, man. We appreciate it. Absolutely, guys. Hopefully we can rewatch something or not next year, next week, <laughs> next year. Yeah. I don't know. Whenever it is. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. That's the pandemic joke. That is the theme, right? Nobody knows what time it is, what day it is, or what year it is. Oh, uh, hopefully we can do something next Friday and rewatch maybe the Indiana Pacers game, maybe something else, but we'll try to figure something out until then. Have a good weekend. And we'll be back with you on Monday.